We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go, go, Quinn! Go, Quinn, go! Go, go, go! Hey, hey! Go, Quinn! Go, Quinn, go! Go, go, go! Hey, hey! This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast here, setting the pace. The Indiana Pacers take down the Boston Celtics 122 to 112. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen, the boys are heading to Vegas. Fachi, are you going to be joining them? I, I would love to, but Alex, for a night like tonight, I can't think of a more memorable regular season win. And I know this wasn't just your typical regular season game but it was evident early on this game meant everything to indiana being on national television and trying to avenge a 51 point loss to boston earlier in the season the pacers are now handling business when they see see a team twice this year they are getting it done and this win tonight this was a memorable one Games like tonight reminds you how special this Pacers team can be, and that's why when they have losses to teams they should beat, it's frustrating. So that's why you've had an up-and-down year, but we got to just look at this game and say, wow, we got ourselves a performance from multiple different players, but we got to start out with the man that's having a superstar-level year. Tyrese Halliburton has his first-ever triple-double, the dagger three over Jalen Brown. He just does it again. Wasn't even that loud in the fourth quarter but all of a sudden comes to life has a four-point play and it's like okay that's what Tyrese Halliburton does he was drawing so much attention from the Celtics defense but he was able to still be incredibly effective and figure things out your thoughts on Tyrese Halliburton's performance tonight 
I just think on the, on the biggest stage, this was actually only the second time he's been on national television. His TNT debut, he did not disappoint. His first triple-double, but zero turnovers. And yeah. that four-point play with a minute and 33 seconds to go, when it was all tied up at 105 apiece, it was just massive. I did everything I could to not you know wake up the whole neighborhood, let alone – you know, my daughter. But that shot by Halliburton, that's what stars do when you need them most. And I just felt like to the NBA masses, this was the coming out party for Tyrese Halliburton to say, this man is a star. He, he really is. And I think it's it's funny to see because we've been wanting a star for so long. And he is becoming that in front of our eyes. He is blossoming into that in front of us. And, and we're seeing it almost every game. He's had a huge stretch here the last like five to six games, just putting out outrageous numbers out. But like the fact that he was able to dish out 13 assists and commit zero turnovers with the amount of pressure that he was dealing with the entirety of the night, that's that speaks volumes to the level of protector of the ball that he is. And I think that he just has done so many good things with this Pacers team and has elevated their play, their ceiling to a totally different level. Boston's a great team. They're without Chris oh, yeah. Porzingis. This game is probably different if Porzingis is playing. It's different in terms of how the game is played, though, too. So I'm not going to discredit the Pacers for winning this without Boston having Porzingis. I don't want to do that. But I do want to say that this team, they came out, they took some of Boston's best punches early on, but they kept punching back. They didn't just get there and take those punches and get down by 50 points like we saw at the beginning of the year against Boston. They came back, and they were fired up and I say most of that credit has to go to, number one, the fans for being loud, being energetic, and bringing the juice tonight, and two, the players for for maturing in front of us and kind of showing how special they can be. I was so jealous. I know you were at, at, at this game. The crowd looked amazing. The atmosphere, unreal. This was – it gave you that feeling to say, like, the Pacers could get in the playoffs. The whole fan base will rally around them. This team, they have to get back to meaningful games because Indiana is such a special place when you have the team that could back it up. And on a night like tonight, yet yeah, the Pacers trailed by seven at halftime. Things were not easy. Tatum, Jalen Brown, they, they looked great in this game, but I think the Pacers really made them work. And this was a game that you wondered, could the Pacers win a game if they're not scoring 140, 150 points? And tonight, they did it. They held the team to 112 points. Alex, the only time that they held the team to less and won the Spurs with 111 points earlier in the year. I mean, it, it had been uh, it had been over about a month, but the 122 points, they're the second fewest that the Pacers have had in a win this year, dating back to when they had 121 against Cleveland over a month ago. So it showed that the Pacers were able to sacrifice a little offense tonight for some defense. And that's everything we've been asking for. Totally agree. And, and the defense was spectacular tonight. There was obviously some moments there where they missed some assignments, but that's going to happen every game. You can't criticize every single play and be like, well, that's why we lost the game. No, there was a lot of times I felt like, especially in that first half, the Pacers went a little bit smaller and, and struggled getting the rebounds. They were getting dominated on the glass. Oh, the my first God, half. that was thought, bad. This is not a, a good recipe for success. They were down by seven at the half, and it felt like a blessing in disguise because – they weren't shooting the ball very well from two. Thankfully, Boston did a terrible job of getting to the free throw line in that first half. I think they had like two attempts like when I looked when two. it was close to the end. Mm -hmm. And then I remember they were shooting like 21% from three 
in that first half. And I thought that's the reason we're in this game and our uh, ability to protect the basketball because at the, at the half, I think it was eight turnovers or around there for Boston and Indiana had like two or three. So when you're able to protect the basketball and just, they shot the ball pretty well, the Pacers did in the first half from three, it, it kind of kept them in this one, despite having some issues with the size. And I was kind of curious, what are your thoughts on the Pacers going small ball in this game, not playing Isaiah Jackson, obviously knowing Jalen Smith is out, not playing Isaiah Jackson at the back of five, going smaller with Obi Toppin and at times Aaron Neesmith. I mean, I think Aaron Neesmith, you got to give him all the flowers in the world. That man battled tonight. I feel that Neesmith made everything tough on Tatum. And there was times that you know, Neesmith might not have gotten the stop, but he made the Celtics work for every single basket. And that charge that he had in this game was electric. I mean, yeah. that charge was something. For the Pacers going small, I, I think I think it, it worked. I mean, w- what real options did they have against the Celtics team? To, you try to do things a little bit different. They went with a not only a smaller unit, but a, a smaller amount of players in this game. I mean, this this was a team that basically only about you know, only seven Pacers played double okay. digit minutes gotcha, tonight. Gotcha. So, I'm trying to figure yeah. out what you meant by a smaller amount of players. No, no, yeah, that, short rotation. Shortened rotation of basically about seven, and McConnell got nine minutes, and Emhar got about five. Yeah. But I felt like they went shorter size and a shorter rotation, and tonight it, it proved that it worked. Yeah, I didn't think it was very good in the first half, to be honest with you. I was like, okay, we got to get Miles back in the game. When the Pacers took Miles out in the first quarter, the Celtics went on a 9-2 to run. I was like, okay, that's not good. In the second quarter, when Miles came out, he was out for about six minutes in a row. It was like a 21 to 12 run. So you had like a 16 point swing there when Miles was not in the game. And I thought, okay, that's not good. So I was like, what are they going to do with these small ball lineups? But I do think that third quarter when the Pacers were phenomenal, 37 to 23 was the scoring difference there. The Pacers small ball unit at the end of that quarter really kind of lit a spark for him. You know, you had back to back threes from Buddy Hield and Benedict Matherin. And that three that Buddy Hield hit was so funny because TJ McConnell gets blocked, like just takes a, Ill-advised yep. shot. Not really sure what he was thinking, but you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Buddy Hield's right there. The block comes right back to Buddy. Buddy squares up and shoots it and drills it. I mean, Buddy Hield had a great game as well. Like he was really efficient. Had the yeah. best plus minus of anybody on the team tonight too, with like a plus twenty nine, I believe it was. So you know, Buddy Hield, big time performance from him tonight. And it was just one of those things. There's like a collective effort to get this team to where they needed to go. Look, we knew Tyrese had to get going in the third, and he did have a third-quarter takeover once again. But in the fourth quarter, it was the Aaron Neesmith show. He scored 11 of his 14 points in that quarter. He was phenomenal, but not only as an offensive player, but as a defensive player, like you mentioned, making things hard for whoever he was guarding, even if there were times when I had the tweet about it, got out of position playing a little bit too up in their space. But I'm not going to argue about that because I think the results proved, okay, what he did for the majority of that time he was out there was very positive. Aaron Neesmith, you it, it felt like this game meant more to him given his ties to Boston. It's like he was battling with Jalen Brown. He was battling with Tatum. There was times that, you know, he, he did the, you know, you're too small when he had a basket. And that was awesome to see. I loved the chippiness, but it's like he really wanted to stick it to Boston. And I love when things just mean a little bit more, when that dish is just a little bit colder because you're serving up revenge. And yeah. I feel that that is what Aaron Neesmith did. The Pacers improved 
that that the stat of the week. There's there's seven and zero now when Neesmith gives you double figures. I was it's telling great. people tonight in the building. It, I love it. Get the ball to Neesmith. Because when you do, the Pacers are winning. But your point about Buddy, I want to give Buddy credit because we've been a little, little bit tough on him because he's been in a slump. But Buddy, like you mentioned, highest plus minus on the team. Well, Buddy started out this game two for six. He actually had a three-pointer that missed so bad it got stuck on top of the hoop. What did he do after that? He went five for five to finish the game. Yeah. And that last basket, was it necessary? No. Did I love it? Yes. That three-pointer at the end of the game, as the buzzer sounded, was just like the the final sprinkles on top, the icing on the cake, whatever you want to say. That just solidified this win. Buddy Heald was huge for the Pacers tonight. Yeah, that last three, it was Lance-esque, right? It really was. And I think he kind of has that in him. But he's a little bit more mature, I guess you could say is the right way to put it. Because Buddy Hill, like, this is big to him. He's never had, like, a playoff environment in the NBA, and neither has Tyree. So these guys were just hungry, and they wanted to feel that environment. And I know Rick Carlisle talked about it in the post-game press conference about two or three times he kept referring to it as a playoff atmosphere or a playoff game. I think he even kind of forgot that this wasn't a playoff game. <laughs> you know, he was like, yeah, you know, the crowd was great in a playoff game. And I was like, okay. he didn't realize it was just an in-season tournament game. But I love the fact that it mattered. It's December 4th and we're sitting here talking about this game. Like, it's it's significant. It is. But at the end of the day, it only counts for one win on the record. So it gets them to Vegas, though. Obviously, I know there's a lot more behind it. They get more money and stuff like that. But just an overall solid performance from Buddy Hill, and this is why he's been playing so much, even despite the shot making not being there. Because once he gets it going, Vaji, he is deadly. Let's talk about that three that he hit after Tyrese hit the four point play, gave the Pacers a four point lead. The next Pacers possession that they scored on, Buddy Hill hits a three, and you just felt like that was the dagger in the heart of the Celtics fans because a four point lead is. It's good, but it's not great. A seven-point lead with about a minute left, that's tough to overcome. It, it really was, and I just love that the Pacers never look back after that Halliburton four-point play. But, yeah, just like you mentioned, it's not going to be enough. Other players stepped up when you needed them. And basketball, it's a game of runs, and the Pacers went on quite the run during that stretch to really put the Celtics away. I mean, I got a little bit nervous towards the end when people started, you know, we started shooting some free throws and they missed, you know, one or two. And the Celtics were were cutting it to like about five or six. But this this game tonight, I mean, collectively as a unit, seven play, uh, Pacers scored in double figures. The seven that played, you know, double digit minutes. And you, you needed that. That was the recipe against Miami. Tonight it worked even with Halliburton because obviously you're not going to take down the Celtics without Halliburton. But when you talk about Rick saying this is a playoff game, it, it felt as close to a playoff game as could possibly be. And and I just felt like the way the Pacers came out of the tunnel and responded in that second half, it was huge. This was a team that was shooting 35% at halftime. And they come out there, that third quarter that you talked about, I mean, that was one of the finest quarters the Pacers have played this season. 37 points. They only give up 23 to Boston. Halliburton saves 19 points for the second half. I, I just felt like, and when you're mentioning, hey, you know, some of the money involved before, look, they wanted respect. That money also helps a lot because there's 10 Pacers on this team making $3 million or less. And the prize offering, it's $500,000 per player. This is huge. 
but the respect that they gained tonight that is gonna is gonna last a while because now all eyes start to feel like yo do you see what the Pacers are doing on a nightly yeah. basis and tonight was the reason why you want to have that opportunity for another national televi- nationally televised game. That's exactly what the Pacers were able to do. We acquired one more, and we want to make it count. Well, I think the style of play the Pacers play with, too, is going to make them more fun and make the league kind of embrace them a little bit more because Tyrese Halliburton's a fun player to watch. Oh, yeah. And this Pacers team plays a really fun style. Like, I, I get it. You know, the big markets are going to draw the attention of a lot of fans. It's just how it works in the NBA. But – you know, this is this in-season tournament has been great for smaller market teams like Indiana, like New Orleans, like Sacramento. You know, these are teams that really don't get the opportunity to shine like they do, and now they're getting it and they're taking advantage of it. So kudos to them. There's a lot of different ways I could continue to go on with our conversation about this recap, but I would be remiss if we don't talk a little bit about our veterans, Miles Turner and Bruce Brown. Obviously, the first half was not a great half for Tyrese Halliburton. He talked about that after the game and said that he was out of breath and he was really struggling to catch his wind because of the sickness that he had in Miami. And he said there were some lingering effects. So they gave him an inhaler at halftime. And that's the first time he's ever used an inhaler. And it kind of helped him get his breath back. But I felt like the Pacers only being down seven, there was a lot of guys that contributed. But Miles Turner and Bruce Brown were the ones kind of setting the tone early on. Miles Turner and Bruce Brown, I think they had like the first 13 points of the game for the Pacers. Maybe Ty had a two in there or something like that. But those two guys, I felt like really put the weight of this pressure on their shoulders and said, guys, look, we've been here before. Bruce Brown obviously just won a championship. Miles Turner has played in a lot of playoff games with the Pacers, obviously been in two or three, maybe even four series, if I'm not mistaken, but I can't remember all of them. It's just, this was an opportunity for the Pacers to you know, like I said, have that have that big moment. But those guys kind of carried the weight until Tyrese was able to kind of take over the game. But I just want to give them a shout out because I know you look at their stats, like it's not great numbers in terms of field goal percentage, you know, 30% for Bruce Brown, 43.8 for Miles. But I felt like they were very impactful in this game. No, they were. And I got really nervous when Bruce Brown picked up that fourth foul because I, I thought he was playing well uh, when he had three fouls. He was like, okay. I mean, I tweeted it out. I was like, Bruce has three fouls. He didn't stay out of foul trouble. Like, Maybe I jinx it. I don't know. He picked up his fourth foul by the, by the time I, I hit send on um, that tweet. And and I was like, oh, this is going to be tough yeah, because this to is back. easily, easily where Boston could push ahead. And the Pacers were able to weather the storm. So, yeah, for Turner, I mean, look, the Pacers were atrocious on the glass. But Turner did give you 10 boards. He gave you 10 boards. Tyrese gave you 10. It's like uh, I was really nervous. I I felt that Miles, you know, finishes a plus 22 in the game, 17 and 10. I mean, absolutely great point giving those guys their flowers. They might not have been the most dominant Pacers tonight, but they were critical in a game where you needed everybody to to really – step up and give you everything they got. And I think both players did. And for Bruce Brown, I, I think he had you know, three steals in this game, eight rebounds himself. He's a playmaker with four assists. There was a lot of little things that Bruce Brown did, and he contested on defense. At times, I saw him battling with Tatum. He's given up, you know, what, four or five inches you know, yeah. to, to Jason Tatum, but still in there fighting. I love to see it. Yeah, and I mean there was a there's a video that went out where they were talking about how you know the, the Celtics were trying to target Tyrese Halliburton one on one and they get were. him in a mismatch, which is gonna happen. But I think you have to realize like Jason Tatum is like six foot eight, two hundred and ten pounds, Tyrese is six five, one eighty-five. So he's given up a lot of size there in terms of weight and height. 
And I thought it was great that the Pacers were able to come over and try to help get the ball out of Tatum's hands at the time. I know they were double teaming some, but you know, when they left Tyrese on that Island, you know, it didn't, it didn't work out for him. So that sucks. Obviously you got to work on that. I think as a team, just being more attentive to details, but you know, Rick Carlisle talked about that stretch where TJ McConnell really was impactful in the third quarter. I thought the TJ McConnell first quarter minutes were not good. I was like, please get him out of the game. Feels like he's pushing a little bit too much. I don't like his size with the with the Celtics size and how they play. But in that third quarter, you know, you got to give him credit because he did have that nice footwork move where he was able to score over Cornette. And then he got the steal that led to the Buddy Heel dunk. So, you know, we're on the veteran topic. Like, you know, McConnell's been in these type of games too. So maybe that's why Rick decided to ride with him over Nimhard. You know, obviously went to Nimhard in the end of the second quarter. But I thought that was kind of tough to put him in that spot as well. Um, not really being in the rotation, they're kind of thrusting him in there and having him just jump right in with like four minutes left in the in the four minutes and 51 seconds, I think, left in the second quarter. So a, a little tough spot there for Nimhard. But, you know, McConnell had a nice moment there in the third quarter. And I think that that was part of the energizing that happened for that run to go into the fourth quarter with a seven-point lead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I gotta give McConnell his due because when we talk about McConnell, he provides a spark. He was the spark plug in that moment. There was that span. If you looked at the box score, you just took a look and he said, what are you talking about? McConnell went one of five. It's like we mentioned his block, him getting blocked led to a buddy three, but then also (laughs) the assists. It was just like everything he did was he drew a foul. And then it was just like he had this assist. Like he could have had a fast break basket, but he gave it a buddy for a basket. And I just felt like he was making in a few minutes. He impacted, I want to say, maybe four straight possessions. He had his fingerprints over those possessions in some sort of way. And I think that Rick played his minutes perfectly because then it didn't become too much McConnell after that. I don't even really remember seeing him. I don't think he logged any time in the fourth quarter. I don't believe. I think he, after that that run, we didn't see McConnell again. And I thought he gave us just what we needed to really get that run going in the third quarter. So when people say, like, why does McConnell get in there? That is exactly why, because he's one of the guys that could actually impact a game in just a few minutes. He's an energizer. There's no other way of putting it. That's what he does. He's like the little energizer bunny. And he just goes in there and he just provides a spark when he needed the most. And, you know, he might not always do it every night, but at least you know you're going to get someone that's going to play hard and try his best. So, you know, it was an interesting decision. I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see Nimhard get the call early on because I do think he is a better defender, even if people want to disagree with me on that. You know, we can take that and talk about that another time. But, you know, that was awesome for him there. But one last guy that we really haven't touched on, and that's Ben Matherin. Ben Matherin in this game. There were some moments, you know, obviously the, the shooting wasn't great. He got lost on defense a few different times, but that's, Pretty typical for a Matherin game. I will say this, though. He was really special uh, at certain times in this game scoring the basketball. And I know in the first half he hit a three in front of the Celtics bench. And after he hit it, he looked at them and said something. And Sam Cassell, who was a big-time trash talker in his day, stood up and started barking back at him. Okay, so Sam Cassell's barking back. At Ben Matherin, and I know O'Shea sets on the Celtics bench, so he was chirping. Um, I think when Aaron Eastman got called for the foul on Jason Tatum where he kind of like faded away and maybe got his arm at the top like when he fouled him, I, it was a questionable call. O'Shea was over there, you know, harassing Neesmith, saying, oh, you got him, you got him, you got him. So I will just say this. I love that, and I think it was great when Matherin hit the three uh, on the left side. I think it was the third quarter, and he pulled out the bow and arrow. And Luke Cornett yep. looking at yep. the ref, begging for a technical foul. It was just little things like that. And then when the Celtics called a timeout, Matherin goes to center court, lifts his hands up and starts egging the crowd. I'm like, come on, get louder, get louder. And so I just love seeing Ben kind of like relish for these moments. And I'm hoping that we can continue to see him do that. Obviously, 4-7 from 3 is a big-time improvement from Matherin. No, it really is. And just like you said, moments. I felt like this wasn't, you know, Matherin dominating the game, but I felt like when he scored, the Pacers needed it. 
And it happened here and there. And 16 points off the bench, it's nothing to overlook. I mean, every now and then when when Matherin has a a bad game, everybody's like, trade him. Uh, I'm tired with him. Those 16 points off the bench, the Pacers needed every single one of them. I I really felt that, like, when he hit a three, they were were big threes. So tonight, you got everything you could have hoped for and more. There was a moment. There was this one little moment. And I, I started to say, you know what, maybe if we lose a close one to Boston, you know, we've shown an improvement. And then as the game went on and we started going on a run, I went, I can't believe I was willing to almost settle for a close loss as improvement for a 51-point loss. This was the night that I tell you, you know, when living out of market, no one that I focuses on the Indiana Pacers. When the Pacers do something big on national television or they pull a big win, I get all these texts from people who never pay attention to the Pacers. And that's when I gauge how we're really doing with NBA masses. Tonight, my phone was flooding with people who never pay attention, who were just like, what a win, or wow, Halliburton's a star, or, you know, way to take down Boston, all these things. And that's what you hope for, for the people who never watch Halliburton to realize he's so special, for the people who never watch the Pacers to realize this is not only a really fun team. This is a team that you have to start to take seriously because they're pulling off big wins. They're making noise happen and they don't have this small window. This is really the start of what could be something special. And a night like tonight just makes you realize like when we get that next piece or so, the sky's the limit. A win against Boston at home when the stakes couldn't be higher. Again, uh, a win on the road without Tyrese Halliburton against the Miami Heat. A win against Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey in Philadelphia. A win against Cleveland, a team that's been up and down this year, but a team that has played the Pacers well at home in the in-season tournament. Uh, a comeback win against Atlanta when you were down by like 13, 20 points at one point, and Tyrese Halliburton drops a crap load of points in the third quarter, and twenty I think it was 26 points in the third quarter, a franchise record. The Pacers drop 100 and what was it, 57 points that game, they get that victory. The Pacers have continued to have, they beat the Bucks at home, right? I was about to say, don't forget about that win against Milwaukee. Milwaukee You could overlook this year. I'm just saying they've had some big time wins and that's what gets you excited because look, Rick Carlisle said it. The best thing about getting to the end season tournament next round or, you know, the quarterfinal round against Boston is they have to play the better teams now. And it puts them up to the challenge of, okay, how good are we really? And so the the Pacers' ability to come out and beat the better teams, to me, it's just, okay, look, you can't say this team is, you know, a a fluke or or they're just getting hot. No, I I think you can say they're a really good team that's capable of winning on any given night. Their, Their specialty is their offense, right? But even when their offense wasn't clicking, they found a way to win, and it was just a will to win. And I think that you could see Rick Carlisle was co- coaching his butt off tonight. I was impressed with just how many different adjustments were made. You know, they talked about what, what Jenny was doing with, with coach Jim Boylan. And then you had Mike Weiner doing some different things in terms of the schematics and stuff like that. So this, this coaching staff was working tirelessly to try and, and attack the way they were going up against the Celtics. So I, I just got to tip my hat to, to the Pacers for their efforts tonight. It was awesome to see. And I want to tip my hats. Finally, to our fan base, thank you for showing up and making this game as important as the NBA wanted it to be. The the arena was electric. It's probably one of the most electric buildings I've been in that I can remember 
probably going back to when the Pacers were in the playoffs and I was in the building for those games, but it was fantastic. And I, I don't think I've ever really heard MVP chants for a player that is worthy of an MVP chant. And it felt real. So I, I, I'm just kind of speechless right now with what the Pacers were able to, to do tonight against Boston. Watching this game, I muttered to myself, I got to get back to Indiana. I mean, it really really just felt like an environment that you had to be a part of. I mean, I'm wearing my 2000, you know, Pacers Eastern Conference Championship shirt. Look, because it just makes me feel like, oh, my God, please, on any night, anything could happen. When you talk about the coaching, you know, the, the ways that the coaches have been, they've made adjustments so well. And I feel like in a playoff series where you get to play a team for at least four times, that makes me feel like, Hey, the Pacers can make the adjustments, but first we got to get there. And tonight, awesome, awesome stuff, but the job ain't finished yet. We'll find out if it's Milwaukee or if it's New York, the fact that we already took down the bucks makes me feel a smidge bit better, but if it's the Knicks, bring it on either way. I feel this Pacers team has come too far to back down and they will be ready. And there's something different about this in-season tournament where it's not like you win an in-season tournament game and then you go and you play like Charlotte or, or, or Toronto or anything. Nope, this tournament's continuing. And I think that works to the Pacers' advantage. For sure. I, I mean, this is going to be a tough game no matter who they play, whether yes, it's Milwaukee or New York. New York's defense has always been problematic for the Pacers since Tom Thibodeau's been there. Uh, Julius Randle has really given the Pacers fits. But I do think that Obi Toppin could have some revenge game up his sleeve if they do play the New York Knicks and going up against him in practice for the last couple of years. He probably does know some of his tendencies, as does Julius for Obi Toppin, I'm sure. So that could be a fun X's and O matchup. And then you got, of course, the Jalen Brunson versus Tyrese Halliburton narrative that's been kind of brewing ever since Wally Zerbeck's comments last year. And I think Pacer fans would just love to give it to the Knicks because the the history is is rich with them. Milwaukee. They're just a totally different juggernaut. They've got Giannis who dropped 54 points on the Pacers and we didn't see him with Damian Lillard. So that will make things incredibly different if he's there and available in the in-season tournament game in Vegas. So yeah, it's going to be fun to kind of keep an eye on who wins on Tuesday night, but I think it's going to be fun regardless for the Pacers just to get that opportunity. So I will say this, they'll get that extra home game, the game they got tonight instead of you know, having to play on the road or something like that. It was meaningful. And I think that the crowd really did impact the win. They, they really did. And that's why you have to protect home court because yeah, though the way this game was, they might not get this one done in Boston. Because another thing that we pointed out with Keith Smith, Boston was undefeated at home, a totally different team on the road. Yeah, that is point. now, uh, that is now their fifth loss on the road, I believe. So it shows that that was a big difference. And for the Pacers, yeah, you know, they will, if Milwaukee wins, the Pacers will, well, they're traveling regardless, but they're going to Vegas. But it's not going to be easy. It's not. But I think that the Pacers have as good of a chance as they've had in years because this team has, they have it. They don't have all of it, but they have it. And I think that right now they want to build on this. And I don't think that we're going to be set up for a letdown. I think that the Pacers are going to give it everything they got. And I'm really, really excited for this next game of Pacers basketball. And I told you a couple games ago, I couldn't say that going into the Miami game without Tyrese. It mm-hmm. felt like we were we were kind of slumping a bit going down. 
Woo! We're going we're like a rocket on our back. We are taking off right now. I love that, Fachi. So as we close it out here, is it safe to say Tyrese Halliburton MVP of tonight's game? Absolutely. Okay. We've talked about Tyrese a lot. Now let's maybe get into maybe a different conversation. I think we'll probably both agree, though. The X factor for tonight's game was... Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith, yeah, that's what I thought, too. I think Aaron Neesmith, man. I mean, the 14 points, it's cool, whatever. Hey, nice. What he did on the defensive side of the ball, I, I just feel like the energy he brought, he battled for everything. He made every single possession as difficult as he could. I it felt like even if Tatum made a shot, it was like Neesmith couldn't have played better defense. So tonight, he's my X factor. You kind of push the points off a little bit, and I want to say that you have to give him the flowers, though, for the points that he made because he hit big-time baskets in that fourth quarter when the game he was did. close. I mean, we're punching back-and-forth baskets with Jalen Brown and Tatum, and it's just like, man, are we going to win this game or not? Because it felt like uh, like the minute we missed one and they got the lead, I was like, crap, now it's over. Like We were going back and forth trading baskets, but I think Aaron Neesmith had some really nice plays in that fourth quarter to kind of give the Pacers the offensive spark that they needed as well. So yeah, definitely the X factor for me. And then I want to say one player we did not talk about really was Obi Toppin in this game. Obi Toppin did not have a great game, was not very effective on the glass, didn't really put the ball in the basket a lot, but he did have two timely threes that were kind of like, wow, that was not a great shot, but he made it. And then he also had like a terrible air ball that he shot way over the basket on the corner. Uh, It was the left corner. So, you know, not the greatest OB Toppin game. Only played 25 minutes in this one. Aaron Neesmith ended up playing more than him at the four. But I just thought OB Toppin um, had some big buckets when they needed him and doesn't deserve to be left out of the conversation since we pretty much talked about everybody else. No, he doesn't. But also, welcome back, buddy. Great to have you back. Yes. We need you. So, great performance, buddy. Wanted to give you that last shout-out. I know we gave him earlier. Plus 29. He deserved another one. Plus 29, Miles Turner, plus 22, Tyrese Halliburton, plus 15. You know, people can just pump the brakes on saying Turner's not the right fit for this team because they don't like his rebound numbers. He got you 10 rebounds. He got you an assist. He got you a steal. He got you a block. He had zero turnovers. Just relax. Only got one foul in this game, too. 17 points. I mean, pretty good, pretty good solid Miles game for me. Someone tweeted at me and said, Miles Turner must be the worst rebounding center in the NBA. And I was like, do I just, like – do I just mute this guy or what did I do? You just Things called getting, out, man. It's it just, I, I don't even remember what his name was. It was just like people overreact like crazy. Turner finishes the game with 17 and 10. Like, it's like, come on, c- cut him a break. Or you're making it seem like the guy grabbed one rebound. So it's like everybody, the sky's not falling. The Pacers won. They beat the Celtics. All right, let's enjoy this. Let's not go crazy and say we got to trade this guy, get this guy out of town, whatever it is. Tonight was an awesome win. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted out, like, in the first half, like, the Pacers were getting obliterated on the boards, like, 25 to 15 at one point. People were like, Miles Turner is the worst defensive center in the league, can't rebound the basketball. So I just quote tweeted it and said he's been a plus eight in the game tonight. So it's not it's not a Turner thing, it's a team thing. And, yeah, Turner yes. could be more assertive, but you talked about it. Bruce Brown had eight, Halliburton had ten, Miles had ten. That's really solid. Matherin ended up getting five. That's good for his position. So, you live with the results, you live with the rebounds, and, and you just you deal with it. I think they made the most of it, even though they probably ended up getting beat on that side of the ball or side of the, the category, whatever. In that category, they got beat is what I'm trying to say. And I, I give the Pacers credit for being able to win this one. But, Fachi, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Where can people find us out on social media? 
Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to youtube.com slash setting the pace Pacers podcast where we will have this video up for you. And if you missed it, we did recap the heat win uh, on Saturday night. And we also had a preview of this game where me and Fachi both rightly predicted the Pacers were going to get the victory. It was definitely a heart pick, but it was also one of those things that just had a, had a weird feeling to it. It felt like the Pacers were destined to win this game from my perspective, and I'm sure from Fachi's perspective too. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you're excited that the Pacers are packing their bags and they're heading to Vegas, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.